Hello World, retrieving Brad and Christy from the cloud. Hi, I'm your host, Christy Hornland. And I'm Brad Rayford. Welcome to the Risk Factors Perspectives and IoT Podcast. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Vodafone's Thomas Bourne about data privacy concerns surrounding electric vehicles and how we can ensure human safety as EVs become more prevalent in society. Let's get rolling. I guess the first thing that really comes to mind is one, obviously there are a lot of ways that we can answer some of the earlier problems around availability, relevancy of data, uh, and the accuracy of that data. but It also brings up to me kind of the concept of data privacy as we're building out that infrastructure, as we're building out the capabilities, kind of want to ask back to you, you know, how are you kind of considering data privacy in the build of that while also, you know, you're making those tailored choices and say context available for for an end user? This is a very good point, right? So... Let's speak about two things. One is, first of all, speak about security because a security problem always is the root cause for a privacy problem downstream, right? If we speak about security, actually when the whole discussion about autonomous driving started a while ago, and then the electric vehicle part started, that that triggered a pretty wide discussion about about the privacy topics right so we are i've been on conferences where the people were discussing models technical models of a dynamic frequent anonymization of information which never discloses the real information but only acts on tokens which are um, interchanged more or less every five minutes so obfuscating the whole thing a little bit more. On the security side, uh, the more standardization bodies and information bodies started to think about, well, what do we need to do in order to detect and prevent connected vehicles from the new landscape of threats coming into play for, if you speak about in in a connected environment, right? In, in particular, when you see the amount of data that connected vehicles interchange with between vehicles, but also between vehicles and infrastructure. You can see now a first step, and it, I think it came something like one and a half or two years with delay. There is this ISO standard, ISO uh, 21434. Uh, and the UNECER155, sorry for the acronyms, but these are, let's say, is the more formal standardization reaction to force a cybersecurity management system from OEMs. What it says in essence is, if you produce a vehicle, you need to consider security measures in your vehicle from the development throughout the entire life cycle to protect any kind of information flow in and out and prohibit no and prevent any any damages any problems so but that's only the first step um and a while ago 
uh, I was actually in California on an industry advisory board and 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 I, I did a little comparison about the classic three domains, right? Prevention, detection, reaction in the security space. And also um, looking at the players like telcos, like OEMs, car manufacturers, and, and uh, infrastructure providers across the so and mine by a three by three matrix and compare that. And then you can see that the, the telecoms industry from its regulation point, uh, because it's critical infrastructure, is very much enforced to protect and prevent and react very fast. So there is legislation around that. Do we have enough regulation and legislation around OEMs and infrastructure providers in a connected mobility world? Probably not. Because if you analyze that a little bit deeper, you, you can see that there's not a lot in place. It starts slowly with this ISO standard that I was talking about. But what about the other players? Is there any security regulation and requirement or guideline or framework, if you wish, or which includes also privacy elements of that for EV or charging infrastructure? Not really. Right. So... I guess there are a couple of things missing in the mix to look at the whole picture holistically. We see elements of that, fragmented little pieces, which develop over time. Does it develop in the right speed? If I remember the previous question, right? When does it all come together? When do we have the convenience in place? Uh, at which point in time do car manufacturers switch over to electric only? Does it all come together? At the same time, I have little doubts because these things go at different speeds at the moment. And I think the regulation should come quicker, right? At the moment, I have the, 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 the impression that, that everybody is thinking or the government bodies are thinking, well, this is, this is an industry problem. Usually they sort out themselves, there will be competition and they will create that. But at, is that harmonically coming together? Is this really consistent or do we need a standard which makes that consistent? I'm more on the standardization side at the moment. And that leads to privacy. If you look at the, the ISO standard, right? It says, and the work that ENISA does, right? ENISA is the European Network Information Security Agency. If you look at that piece of work, yes, it starts to address the cyber security space for uh, connected devices as such, and connected vehicles are an element of that, right? But does it consider privacy in the same way and enough? Probably not. We probably would need a, a corresponding privacy management system, which works with the cyber management system hand in hand and looks at the amount of personal identifiable information, not only in charging stations and not only for electric vehicles, across the board and how it's interchanged between the different players. May it be charging providers, may it be marketing agencies, may it be uh, infrastructure providers, may it be communities or cities, may it be parking houses or whatever who consume you approaching a park house and say, okay, 
next time if you come, I can read your number plate, open the door, and your car automatically pays. That's all coming together. It's a lot of PII data, as you said, most of it, right? Geolocation is in the middle of that, right? That needs more privacy guidance. And the current legislation, if I look in Europe at GDPR, the general uh, data protection regulation and legislation, does it consider that enough? Not yet, I would say. So there is there is a missing piece which works together with cyber and puts a, a correct regime in place which protects that information. Does that make sense? It, make, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, too, from the standpoint of, of privacy, I mean, there's there's a lot more than just, say, having your data, say, anonymized, but also like we have we have requirements for the right to be forgotten. And you think about that in the landscape of what you just spoke through, which is, you know, I'm not just interacting with my own car. I'm also interacting with all the other connected vehicles, with even the city infrastructure at this point. What does that mean in the overall impact? Um that that is a huge question to be undertaking. So I I really, you know, from that side can understand as you're building out the infrastructure and the approach and going through this massive technology transformation, you know, all of those facts just from a privacy side as well as the protection side have to be considered as as you're building the foundations here. Well, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, but as you said, the I think it really gets interesting when we move away from who are the data collection points, right? The vehicle sends information, charging stations send information, uh, well, marketing panels on the side of the street pick up your some information and display something. If you the data collection points, if you move away and move towards products and services. So if you start, we, we were speaking about ecosystem before, if you start thinking about the amount of different types of information and data that are collected from these points and start to think about what is the world of new products and services targeting the monetization of that information, which becomes a massive interchange of personal identifiable in information between various players, right? Your, your road infrastructure picks up information from your car, may send it forward to charging to marketing agencies who say, well, this person is obviously on the route from north to south. There are only a few highways. Let's target and create some dynamic marketing offers on the way and sell that information. And this is a simple example. There is much more about it. And this is where the regulation needs to happen. And it's not there at the moment. So, Tom, I have a question. I'm going to take, I'm going to put on my, my average consumer boots. Uh, what are those? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and look at this as if I'm, you know, I've got a vehicle. Uh, op, let's say we're we're in a state where we're in a place where this economy of things exists, right? In whatever its totality and whatever its final vision, All right? So I go, essentially, I'm going to go. My car's going to tell me where's the best charging port for me, based on what it's calculated either through my navigation system or through the apparent route that I'm taking and, and, and range remaining, tell me where I should charge because that's got the lowest price. Maybe it's got the best charging port for me. Uh, whatever it happens to be, it's going to direct me there. I'm going to go 
and my phone is involved in, in, in all of this, right? It's, it holds my payment information. So the car is negotiating with my phone, which is negotiating with the charging port. And it's going to give me that price. It's going to handle that payment. The data that's being generated from my car or that has been generated over that trip is going to be passed and uh, and sold, as you said, to marketing agencies or maybe to the, the power companies themselves of where are cars on the roads, where do we need to reinforce uh, grid pressure uh, and, and make smarter decisions about traffic conditions and road conditions and, and all of that. As a consumer, do I have the option or should I have the option to opt out of that? Right. What if I just want a dumb electric vehicle where I where, you know, right now as a does that exist? Petroleum fuel. I well, I you know, you can go and you can mute the ads at a gas station, at least where I live. I can mute them and I don't have to listen to them. Right. But uh, I, I can fill up my car without there being any transmission of data. The, the amount of tracking is limited to uh, the point of sale, knowing that I put my credit card there. Right. Nothing else is being communicated. So to have that be such a a leap in the amount of data generated, collected, gathered, analyzed, and monetized, uh, as a consumer, I'm a little fearful of it. Right. How much of that is data that I should be protecting or that I should be aware of? And how much of it should I just give away wholesale because it's for the greater good or it's going to benefit the companies that are providing me the services that I now consume? Uh, how do how do I get a handle on that? That's a good point. I have no spontaneous answer and uh, and the golden bullet at the moment. I would say, uh, is it realistic that? Uh, well, it is realistic that probably some opt out mechanism will be there. The, and we we speak about uh, in, in in telematic systems very often about it, will there be in autonomous vehicles the, the privacy button, mm-hmm. which kind of uh, shuts that shuts those capabilities down. Yes, to a degree. Will it will it put down the data collection to zero? Probably not, because you need some and right there some safety data, reliability like data of the vehicle, and yeah. So the vehicle needs to send some information home. Probably because it does today, your phone, uh, your phone does uh, processes some information. Well, I believe yes, it should be clear that we should have options as a consumer to limit that as much as possible, right? But as you know, cultures are different, countries are different, regulations are different. Some people are trying to limit it down to as much as you can. If you have zero, then that they would go for a zero, and others say, well. I love more the most convenient life where I wake up in the morning, uh, look at my phone and Google tells me, uh, you're likely to go to this place and uh, this is your recommended target. Shall I start the route? Right. Which it does today already. Mm-hmm. Right. It, so it's, art, well, I wouldn't say it's artificial intelligence, but it learns about your behaviors and your profiles and therefore starts to make your life a little bit more convenient. Some people would pick the convenience model. Some people would are more scary and put the, uh, the limitation model or the restriction model, right? It's somewhere in between. But nevertheless, whichever way you go, you need, if you go the restriction limitation route, there should be requirements and 
a clear picture of what can be limited, what is the consequence of the limitation, and how do you deal with the rest of the information? And if you go to the more to the convenience side of the house, is if I offer more of my data to have a more convenient, well, in your case, example, charging, right? How do I have to deal with that information? So how does it need to be protected? Where is it? The data, the, the companies who process the data, how do they manage my consent, right? Uh, what is the data retention time for it? You know, what happens if I change my vehicle? What happens to the information? And then, then there should be clear rules for that across the board mm-hmm. and consistently across countries. So it cannot be, I cannot live in Europe where five countries are within two hours reach or three, right? And I have five different different data protection regimes dealing right. with that, gradually different. You know, we have GDPR, yes, but if you go deeper into deeper into some regulations, they, they the, the regulations and and the legislation framework could differ in theory. It needs to come together and have a consistent way. So you can safely drive across borders, right? And your data is protected in the same fashion securely across your entire journey and stay where you are. You know, for for not having a spontaneous answer, that was a pretty well thought out response. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I do have a follow-up and this one is less about data. And this is where Christy and I have been spending a lot of our headspace and a lot of time researching and working in our groups is more in the the security aspect of we have jailbroken phones, right? I have seen people replace the computers inside their Teslas. So let's jump to a state where we have jailbroken cars, right? It will happen. It, it will happen, right? People are, I've already seen people uh, mining Bitcoin and cryptocurrency from their cars at charging stations, right? Free power if they've got the supercharger package or whatever, and they're mining crypto, and the car is dormant overnight. Why should the PC in the car not work and do something good? Exactly. Uh, and so earlier on, we mentioned that, especially in the US, uh, right, right now, for we have a fairly homogenous environment, right? Europe is not quite so, doesn't have that, that same, we'll call it a luxury. I don't know if it really is. Uh, but in the, even with the electric, even with the EV charging ports that exist, a lot of them, while they're under an umbrella of a singular company now, they started out as individual charging ports or groups of charging ports that have since been acquired, right? So we have non-uniform architectures, non-uniform technology stacks forming these these charging stations that are plugged into corporate networks uh, or into enterprise uh, infrastructure that don't have a common monitoring schedule that don't have the a security stack protecting them. So as we think of jailbroken cars with jailbroken phones on uh, non-uniform architectures that don't have security technologies applied to them, how risky is that for a consumer? Should I be, should I be worried that if I plug my car into a charging port in the country that I'm going to get hit with a car malware? That's going to alter, you know, my my range readout just because a script kitty thought it'd be fun. 
Are you asking me to run the next podcast with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this this could be because we could do a part two, right? This is this is where Christy and I have been spending a lot of time because it's it's a very pertinent yeah. topic area, right? Especially for enterprises that have commercial fleets. Absolutely, but the the whole conversation about the cybersecurity situation in vehicles, right? So, independent if electric or not, is a super point and it because it goes into um the question of how do i regulate that because it's 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 possible to threaten lives right so we need to be clear about that 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 is at the core of all the questions right and this by the way is the reason why this iso standard was created and i'm not sure if you if you read it but it, it would could be a good read over over uh, a dinner because it says whatever you put in your vehicles you need to have full control of your digital infrastructure and there are protection mechanisms and measures required in the vehicle and the OEM is responsible actually to work with their part suppliers that all of this from a cyber management perspective is under control so vulnerability management patching of patching of devices so in my eyes if this is properly and accurately implemented over time that would limit the jailbreaks very much because it's a, it should be a much more tightened controlled tightly controlled environment uh, compared to let's say the environments that we have with phones and by the way, if you if you look, Android control environment for apps versus Apple control environment for apps and others, you see different degrees of control and accuracy in these control environments. And whatever you do with a vehicle should be even tighter. Mm -hmm. And this is why we I had this conversation with the guys in California saying there must be technology and regulations in the preventative space. So even in the networks and in the vehicles should be pieces who could detect threats and we can prevent threats. The ISO standard sets the framework for that, but there should be also technology to de detect threats. And the threats are largely or very likely not brand targeted, but component targeted, right? Because you have the same, the same processing components produced by one supplier, but ending up in multiple brands. So if that component becomes vulnerable, you target the component and that may hit multiple brands. So my kind of evangelizing visionary heart says, guys, you need to work together because if there is a threat on a component, it will most likely hit more of you guys, more of the OEMs, and even further, if if it if we talk about how we're going to combat that situation and and react to that then it's very obvious that a reaction mechanism also should be orchestrated when it comes to OEMs but the most reactive the most efficient mechanism should be if it, if you give it to the network guys because they can filter and detect that in the network before it even reaches the cars and this is where it should be. But that 
coming to that point requires a whole new security model between network providers, over-the-top service providers, and OEMs for security, but also for privacy. And we are in an early stage. And I think all of us, you from your side, and Vodafone as such, we do all bits and pieces to contribute to that more consistent environment, if you wish. Right? And that then includes the monetization of data as well. Yeah, it's a big piece of work. It's it's a it's a very big piece of work. So I guess if if I was to summarize kind of what what you stated there, Tom, it really sounds like one. I mean, when it comes to information sharing across cybersecurity, a lot of the times what we're seeing is both, like you said, network providers, service providers, OEMs, the manufacturers that also feed into those OEMs. And we're going to even look into like city infrastructure, the individuals, it becomes a very holistic picture where because of the impact being actual human life, we can really kind of relate this back to a, a greater mission for security that is not just driven by regulatory, but overall human safety, um, which is a pretty good, when you said visionary, I was like, that's that's pretty much the vision for, for a lot of us. And a lot of the conversations that we have kind of stem back to that. But I, I think that's incredibly important to highlight. And as we're looking forward, you know, we've got a 2030 date for, for the US, but overall, I think over the next 10 years, even so, going to say that is going to be a huge driving factor for the collaboration, the pieces that we bring to to market and hopefully can work to address even as we're trying to monetize or facilitate some of the ease of use pieces of, of the connected infrastructure. But that's it's just incredible to hear and appreciate you you pulling all of this together for us uh, collectively. Pleasure. But there's also, you know, we spoke about criti- we spoke about critical things and concerns a lot. But as I said, is I personally believe in a constructive and controlled way, looking at the amount of data that we have, we can make people's lives much more connected, much more convenient and achieve a lot of good things, dynamic energy controls, you know, approaching the energy problem that we have in the moment, uh, reducing traffic jams, have a more agile and dynamic traffic management, or let's say simple things if you, what happens today if you have an accident? The first one picks up the phone and calls the emergency. What will happen if you have enough data that the cars automatically do that and tell, oh, in this accident, we have three, four different cars. So we need not just one ambulance, we need more ambulances. What are these cars? Are they full of full of gasoline or fully charged? Okay, it could be a dangerous situation. Where exactly is the location? It could deliver all of that information within milliseconds and bring a whole new, let's say, aspect of what can we do in an emergency situation and improve that a lot. There are a lot of good things that that can happen if we all go into that direction, right? So not just all negative things. No, no, in essence, there's lots of positive things. 
No, I, I think uh, I think your point there overall is that there's a lot of potential to to tap into in terms of improving human life, improving, say, some of our availability in life to even just experience what's going on around us in a way that is more secure for everyone, as long as we're setting the foundations right. In the meanwhile, here, I know you said we are in the initial origin and, and built, so there's going to be some pieces that need to be figured out from our side to really... Uh, say unleash the potential I think that's the the correct way of looking at it absolutely well I appreciate the time today Tom and I I know uh, Brad and myself have been really looking forward to this so thank you for for spending a a quick uh, set with us and running through I think it'll be really insightful for our listeners so truly appreciate it wonderful absolutely enjoyable this afternoon 